Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country who are praying the Easter Bunny gives them Reese's eggs and not them nasty, nasty gold brick eggs. You know what I'm talking about. Welcome to Datitude, episode number 65 for a good Friday. Friday, April the 15th, 2022. What the hell's so good about it? Because I know it's it's tax day. I mean, oh uh, well, maybe tax day. Somebody told me it's Monday, but April fifteenth is tax day. Oh, you can look at the good side. Uh, April fifteenth is Jackie Robinson Day. Okay, I'll, I can live with that. That's way better than tax day. Oh man, and the Pelicans play tonight. The New Orleans Pelicans. If you would have told me three months or so ago that the New Orleans Pelicans would be playing their second play-in game on Good Friday, I would have told you to go check yourself in to a mental facility. I don't think even Willie Green and company thought they would be playing the second play-in game or any play-in game or anything when the season was done three months ago. Or, I mean, it, look, we're going to talk about it today. Uh, Gus Cattengill of ESPN New Orleans is going to come on, and we had a great conversation. I mean, we I hadn't talked to Gus in a while. Um, we used to, I mean, obviously, we're, we were both members of the sports media here in New Orleans. It's a, a fairly small group, um, so we all know each other in one way or another. But uh, we did work uh, closely together for a little while when I was covering the Saints. <clears throat> and we're both huge Chicago Cubs fans. So um, we've kind of stayed in touch here and there throughout the years. But uh, it was great to talk to him. I saw him Wednesday night at the Pels game. Uh, he was doing a pregame show. Um, and I thought it would be great to have him on. And, man, he, he's got some great insight. Um, so we're going to talk Pels for most of this show. He's going to come on in about five minutes. Um, I'm not going to spend too much time here in the monologue section, but uh, I just wanted—I did want to share my thoughts. Um, I mean, think about it: how amazing it is. I mean, this team has—you want to talk about a team that's risen from the dead? I mean, all we could talk about around Christmas time was Zion, 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 Zion. This team stinks. They're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Zion's not going to want to stay here. I'm sick of this. And just think about where they've come. Now, i got to be honest. I mean, of course I'd, I'd like to see Zion stay here and sign an extension and make things work and him be a force. And, but you know what? It really doesn't matter. If he leaves, they're going to they're gonna get something in his place that will help this team win. But they have the future, oh, just an insanely bright future with this wonderful young coach 
I called him brilliant this morning, uh, either in the newsletter or something else I wrote yesterday. And that's what he is. I mean, this guy is working nonstop throughout a game. He's got his team believing in him, and for good reason. I mean, he just exudes this air around him, not just of confidence, but, I mean, he's a guy you want to you wanna be on, on, on the ship, even if it's sinking. You just know that he's going to find a way to make it work. That's what this guy is. He's got them all buying in. C.J. McCollum gets traded here, wants to be here. Going to be here for a while. Brandon Ingram signed an extension, going to be here for a while. Herb Jones, a a rookie. We talk about this with with Gus later on in in the interview. No one thought Herb Jones was going to be a starter except Willie Green, and he was right. So, yes, this team misses... Uh, the talent of a Zion Williamson. And, of course, it's better for this team if Zion comes back, signs an extension, and works his tail off and gets to the player that we all expected him to be when he was drafted first with the first overall pick a few years ago. Is that going to happen? Who knows? It's probably more likely than not that it will. But we don't know. I mean, remember before the season started, they were talking about, oh, we found out Zion's got a little injury. He won't be gone long. Yeah, it, he missed 80, he's missed 83 games. None of that matters the, at this point in time because this team has overachieved over the past 12 to 15 weeks more than anyone could have ever expected. Travel to L.A. tonight to play the Los Angeles Clippers. And for the right to meet the Phoenix Suns in the real playoffs starting on Sunday night. And you know what? I don't say this very often about any team, especially a team in New Orleans. doesn't matter if they win or lose. I mean, of course we want them to win. It's a great story. We hope it continues. I really do. I mean, I really hope it continues. Because... Frankly, the team deserves it. Willie Green deserves it. Brandon Ingram deserves it. Herb Jones deserves it. C.J. McCollum, who came here from Portland, deserves it. The backups on the team. Jose Alvarado deserves it. Jonas Valanciunas deserves it. They all deserve it. Jackson Hayes, who's made an incredible turnaround in his career in just a few, few weeks, really, deserves it. But the odds makers say it's not going to happen. So the chances are greater than not that this is their last game of the season. And if it is, so be it. It's okay. But they have earned their right to be where they are right now. And if they win and give us at least four more games or five more games or six more games or whatever, then it's Lanyap because this team has already won in my eyes. And I, I can't wait to see what they do in in the near future. And I'm talking about next year and in the year after because this team's going to be good. I this I will be super shocked if this team is not like at the minimum like a five six seed next year. 
They want to, I really don't they're not gonna have to worry about a play in game next year. They'll they'll be in there. They're that good. And they're playing with confidence. They go up against a San Antonio Spurs team that has just been their nemesis since New Orleans got basketball again. Twenty five or some odd years ago, however long it's been. I guess it hasn't been that long, but twenty something years. San Antonio has been a thorn in this city's side. Greg Popovich, maybe the greatest coach in NBA history, has been a thorn in our keisters. And maybe when we look back, Greg Popovich's last game as a as a NBA coach or a coach at all in that for that matter, might have been in the Smoothie King Center because he's getting up there in age. I mean it it would not surprise us at all if he, if he if he left the game. We'll see. But they over the Pelicans overcame that thorn, and they moved on. And if they give us Lanyap, great. If they don't, that's okay too. Let's get on to Gus because um, again, he does most of the talking in this interview, which is probably good for most of you. Um, just. Again, incredible insight, and he's got some some fun stories uh, about some interviews that he's had, and just his viewpoint. I mean, he he knows them as well as almost anybody. Um, you know, he he sees them a little bit closer than I do, and uh, it's great to just chat with him. So let's not waste any more time. Welcome here to the Datitude Podcast on a Friday morning, ESPN New Orleans. Gus Cattengill. Gus, I got some important questions to ask you this morning, but none more important than how about them Cubbies? Hey, I love it. I will take it. Considering that normally the way we work is, you know, by the end of April, are you still in it? More than likely not, especially with the expectation level this year. Um, I will absolutely take it. I don't know what happened to Kyle Hendricks that they got hammered 6-2 to two in Pittsburgh, but, yeah. you know, so, um, I will take it, man. Any day I can call Ed Daniels and, you know, all these other Cardinal and, and, and let them know that Trey and yeah, all these guys, you know, they come out the woodwork when it comes for it, you know, and want to remind me of banners hung in yesteryear. That's fine. But <laughs> anytime I can celebrate them. And, and this year's a little more special, uh, Jim. I finally, you know, I, I got my son Carver, who's five, his first Cubs cap, his first Cubs shirt, and his first pinstripe like shirt jersey. So we're starting to, you know, build the, you know, the the wardrobe for him just yet. I feel because we want, he's not gonna see a lot of winning, but I um, you know, he looks great in it. You know, I'm sure he does. We're good. And indoctrinate him right. Yeah, exactly. He was born in the World Series year, right? He was. So that's the coolest thing about it is that I still have that attachment. Of course, Jim, I'm sure you have pictures as well for that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, re- I was doing Tulane football at the time, and we were coming back from a game, and it, that was the Dodgers-Cubs game to get to, you know, the World Series. So we're watching it on the plane. I got Graffinini on the window. I'm on the aisle. Jenny Lawson, who's our producer engineers, sitting between us to make sure we don't choke each other because we're <laughs> watching it on a plane that as a monitor, so we're watching it live. You know, he's a diehard Dodger fan, and I'm a Cub. I'm just trying to get the World Series. So, I mean, every pitch, you know, I'm, 
you know, showing him he's number one using my middle finger. I mean, we're doing all kinds <laughs> of things during, during the flight. Go, Dodgers, go. We lost. Uh, it's Tulane football in the Curtis Johnson year, so we didn't we didn't win that game. So, right. you, know, you know, we um, you know, we, so it, it was tough. It was tough because the, the the mood of the plane obviously was a quiet one, and um, but we, you know, I'm locked in. So it's like the seventh inning when we land. I sprint out the tarmac because it's a chartered flight. Get home. And I put, and you know, it's the ninth inning, it's coming. So I, I now am staging and I'm like a photographer now. I got to capture the moment, Jim. So I go grab my jersey, I put it on my pregnant wife who was sleeping. And That's I'm awesome. like, get in, front of, get in front of the TV. And sure <laughs> enough, you know, the, the final pitch happens. There's the out, there's the celebration. And, you know, I do the old selfie there and I'm kissing the belly, which has the Cubs jersey on. Should have kissed um, Graf. So well, I wouldn't with Graf at the time. You know? <laughs> okay. I don't know if you put a kiss at that point. But what was great about it was right after that, you know, obviously they won the World Series. So I was very proud. Well, Carver was born that December. So just a couple months later from the World Series. And I'm coming back from a two-lane basketball game. We were playing Vanderbilt the day before. We had a C-section scheduled on Thursday. Well, it was Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. I got a photo. I'm in the Nashville airport. It's a selfie with me doing this. I got two days until we have a baby. So we take off. As I come land, we fly over to the house. I live by the east-west runway. Take a picture of it. I'm texting her. Hey, just flew over here. Glad I'm home. We're about to be, you know, parents this week. Turn the phone on off of, you know, airplane mode because I'm a good customer. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> and, and uh, bing, water just broke. Picking oh, no. you up at the airport. We're having a baby. So... <laughs> She is waiting for me and we jump in the car and I'm like, well, how are you feeling? And she goes, I, you know, we got the hospitals waiting. We're good. I'm like, can we stop at the house real quick? She goes, you got to get your cup stuff on, don't you? I'm like, I do. <laughs> so so I, I ran in, I literally, I, I showered real quick. And then I, um, I put on a cub shirt, put on my cubs hat. And I have a video of me backing out of the driveway. Of, now, you know, that is a good wife. Like, Hey, we're, we're coming up. We're, you know, we're going to see you soon. And then, and, and then Anna goes, Gus, I'm like, okay, we got to go. It's time. Back. <laughs> that but is yes, a good wife. Is. Yeah. So when you feel, if you ever see a picture of me holding the kid in, in the smock or whatever it is, the, you know, the stuff I, 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 there's a cub shirt under it and I made sure I wore my cub shirt and there's a photo of Carver inside my wife well, wearing I'll- a Cubs jersey. So yes, I will, I will tell you that it's never too early to indoctrinate them. I, um, you know, I, my, my last daughter was born, uh, the February before, right when they were starting spring training. So I call her lucky Lucy and, uh, you know, there you go. I mean, it's, and she's got her cub stuff on. She loves sitting with me and watch it. Never too early, my friend, never too early. Well, let's talk about, um, the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, now I saw you the other night, uh, you guys uh, sitting up there, right behind one, what 108 or somewhere around there, uh, when you when you when you're setting up for the pregame show. Uh, I sat there, I stood there and listened to you for about about five minutes. You guys are having a good time up there, and I can appreciate that. And there's a lot to have fun with with this team right now. Well, you know, kind of along the lines of what we're talking about with the Cubs. What's interesting is when you get a community and a connection that the fan base has with its you know, team or franchise, Jim. And 
it, it's so unique because we have seen literally the, it comes full circle when it comes to the Saints, right? I mean, before I was born, I'm only 46, but you know, the franchise for the better half of 50 years was abject losers. It was failure. I mean, everything you can think of, right? From bad management to drafting the wrong players, bad coaches, dick thing on the ground. I mean, right. you know, Reggie, the dummy, you know, the, the wedding dress. I mean, all of that stuff. And yet what's crazy is like Sean Payton said in his retirement press conference, the way the Steelers logo now has been redone, the Saints really are honestly. Like I, I, I would say you mentioned New Orleans, you mentioned the Saints. You don't get the the crap you get when it comes to national media. When it comes to the Pelicans, poverty franchise, get rid of it, sell it. No one wants to be there. You know, I have a a show that comes on before me nationally that their host. I, I I'd love I'd love to you know. Just meet him for five minutes, you know, because he made the comment that New Orleans is a place where you never, you don't unpack as a professional athlete. You don't want to stay there. And it's just, it's crap like that, that, that it's hard to understand and fathom. And I think a lot of things, a lot of times I, I have that maybe secondary emotion towards it because of what we do, Jim, we, we speak, we write, or we, you know, communicate either narratives or stories or, or tell what we feel based off of things. And a lot of times that's what people go on, right? News and things of that nature to literally see sometimes this profession where people just will say, I don't have anything to go on this, or I don't have any sources telling me this, but Zion doesn't want to be there. Like I just, I would have never said that, you know, growing up at Southern Miss and broadcast journalism school, pretty sure somebody said Unless you know something, you probably don't say it. Now, there's opinions, there's thoughts, there's, you know, columns or podcasts and things of nature where you use a variety of reasons to come up with why you feel that. But I literally listen on national shows left and right of people saying, look, I don't have any information or anything to go on this, but I know no one wants, you know, they're going to sell the franchise. I'm like, you're an idiot. Google, and you can actually see the, the Pelican's owner say, in my will, they're not moving. You have right. to buy it. It's just, it's crazy. But, you know, the reason I bring that up is because they're separated by a parking lot, but my gosh, are they viewed differently? And, you know, winning, man, winning matters, right? It's very rare that you have what you have with the Cubs culture where, you know, they're lovable losers or there's a community bond to it. But with the Saints, you sort of had that still. But I remember, Jim, and you know me, it's back, you know, as almost 20 years ago, dude. And I was the Saints sideline reporter working with WWL. We couldn't give away tickets. Yeah. You know, I, I remember having, you know, the, the, the ticket manager, Mike Stansfield, on that part of as my sports cast, my sports cast, to tell us, hey, you know, um, Steve Young and the 49ers are coming in this summer. Right. If you really want to come see them play, you know, the, the 49ers are going for a Super Bowl this year. Like you were promoting the other team to come we, face we the could get tickets so through, get people with. We could get tickets through work whenever we wanted back in the, those days. Yeah. Um, we needed mm-hmm. tickets. You know, you needed a couple of tickets, and they were good seats too. <laughs> and uh, you could yell across the other sideline, and, and they'd hear you. And we're it, still it was here. crazy. So that, that's, that's what I mean. It's like, but getting that connection in the winning and, but before that winning, which is 
the point that I'm getting to here, Jim, is he had a set of foundation. And I think that's the thing the Pelicans have fought, right? Uh, on the outside, on the ancillary or people nationally or people that just don't follow it closely here, all they'll know and they'll see is, well, Baron Davis left. Well, he was at the end of his career. That dude didn't want to be. Right. Um, well, Chris Paul, look, for starters, his rookie season was in Oklahoma City because of right. Katrina. They finally get here. They do everything right. They're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. You have the Crescent City Connection, which, by the way, the arena was full for those games. And then they do the unthinkable. And they trade Tyson Chandler. And don't tell Byron Scott. Don't tell, you know, Chris Paul. And that was the beginning of the end. And that's when I realized the importance of locker rooms. And, and, and being able to see when players buy in or not. Then the ownership goes. And then the NBA has to buy your team. So when you look at all of that, of course, you know, I'm Chris Paul. I'm like, I don't even know if this what's going on here. So that's a different thing from Baron Davis. And then you get Anthony Davis. Well, up until he says, you know, it's my time and that's all, folks. And Rich Paul got his claws on him. The dude had just come off of a sweep of the Blazers. And he had recruited Boogie Cousins. He was recruiting players. So that was a him problem, not, you know, per se, uh, a fan problem. That was a organizational problem that didn't understand the NBA and NFL are two completely different run things. You have to have basketball people that run football and you can't have it vice versa. So I actually look at the Anthony Davis day when he said it, I'm out. Jim, as that January day, as I think the start of what we may see. You know, I mean, we could go back to the day that maybe Sean Payton got hired or something. And I know it's crazy to think of a hiring or a guy leaving you, but that forced, I think, that day Gail Benson to go, wait a minute, you turned down 240. Who turns down $240 million? Right. Like, right. I mean, you have to, right? I mean, whether you're an astute business owner, or you own a snowball stand. Who turns that? Like you sit there and go, we offered him the extension. He said, no, thanks. Like who, how bad are we? Like what, why would you do that? Why, why are we that bad? Cause let's be honest. Um, I know a lot of times ownership gets other than Jerry Joe's gets the, Hey, they run stuff. Look, man, there's people that walk down the hallway, walk in a room, you know, this gym. Hey, and they ask, so why is it going? It's going fantastic. You know, or, Things are going great. She doesn't know the day-to-day detail, the talkings and what Anthony feels and things of that nature. Some owners bring people in, some don't. I don't know that. But that moment when somebody has to open that door and go, Mrs. B, he said no. <laughs> the 240 million, that makes you go, okay, well, what are we doing? So since then, think of what if what's happened. There was a split. They went and hired somebody that did nothing but run basketball. And they said, just like we run the Saints, we're going to do that with the, our NBA team. And I think since that's happened, you, you have at least a chance to change that narrative. But, man, like the Saints, Jim, you, you have to have the coach. You have to have players that oh, buy yeah. in. And there's so much we can get into that I think there's so many parallels to 2006. But you have to go back to that, man. And that's why I was excited and I opened up the show Friday by saying it was a celebration to me. You know, I, I don't know what they're going to do or, or win. Doesn't uh, matter. Go, and they're not winning. No, it's, it, it was, you know what? It's the start of something. A hundred percent. You can feel, you can feel it. Gus and Gus Cattengill of, of ESPN, New Orleans, uh, host of the sports hangover here with us on 
attitude on Friday morning, but um, you could feel it. I mean, you could feel the crowd. I mean, I, I went to a couple games this year, and none of them felt like this felt. I mean, this this city is getting behind this team, and I'm sure you, you felt the same way that I did. But what was more exciting to me, what's more exciting to me is, you know, you, you go back three months, and then you talk about a 3-16 and 16 team. I mean, I've always, from the day they hired Willie Green, I'm like, this is the right guy for this team. But there was no way that this team was going to turn around this fast and feel like there is a real future right now with this team. And now, like you, like we were talking about, it doesn't matter what they do tonight against the Clippers. I mean, sure, we hope they win. They go get swept by the Suns. Who cares? But it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter about tonight. This team is a major success already. Because of the personnel they bring bring in, Willie Green and I, and I love Brandon Ingram to death, and he is to me still the star of the show. But Willie Green yeah. and bringing in C.J. McCollum and, and a guy like that who I had no idea was that good, but obviously a huge leader as well, has changed right. the fortune of this whole team around. Because you got, like you say with the basketball, and I don't know, you know, I, I would give David Griffin a lot of grief. But, I mean, he brought in Willie Green. He made a couple mistakes before. This guy, to me, is, I, I hope this guy is here for 30 years. Yeah. So, what's interesting is, I, again, I, I, the last two weeks I've been making a lot of parallels. to it. I even had fun one day. It's like, give me your best, you know, Saints um, player that sort of re- reminds you of a Pels player and stuff. Because, when you talk about the Saints, people know them. I mean, they feel like there's an attachment to them, which is crazy because they wear a helmet all the time. Right. right. I mean, we see the faces and reaction and, and things of that nature for the most part a lot more and a lot better in a basketball game than we do with football. But we all feel like, uh, you know, if we need somebody to back us up, we want <laughs> CD dudes, right? We all would love right. to go hang out and That's have right. pizza or go on roller skates with Cam Jordan. I mean, like, you know, I almost feel like, you know, whether it's Demario Davis and now Jameis Winston together, if I ever need a pep talk or something to my kid's school, I'm bringing both of them on, right? Because Demario's going to talk and, just, and, you know, Jameis is going to be like, that's right, that's right. He's going to get him back, that's right. Right, but we know, like, we can, you can name a player right now on the Saints and somebody can probably tell you something about that. That's, that's a, a physical trait and a, and a personality trait. I think. Well, you're starting to see that with the Pels. And what I think is incredible is you mentioned with Willie Green, and I mentioned throughout the year on our show that this season has been in phases, right? The first phase is okay, you start one in 12, you just kind of, how do you navigate this? Because at that point, Jim, I mean, callers were who are we trading, how we get rid of stuff, who's the next, you know, VP. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm all for Trajan. I love Trajan Langton. You know, it didn't work out with David. You know, it is what it is. Um, but I said going into the beginning of the offseason, the day after, you know, Van Gundy's exit interview with, with you know, the story, the athletic that came out with Will Guillory and others about, you know, Zion's family. And I've been like, here we go. You know, and, and, and the thing is, just like in addiction or, you know, any of those rehabs, you, you got to know you, you have a problem. You have to admit it. And I think, you have to give credit for David Griffin to saying it, it it's broken. It didn't work. You have to be able to say it didn't That's work. That's right. I agree. Before you can fix it. And the players that he brought in didn't work. The coach he brought in 
didn't work. And he didn't let it bleed. He just pulled the trigger, right? I mean, he, that's right. And so, and, and, and that's tough to do, Jim, because when you think about it, you knew what was coming. I mean, the, the second you, that, that comes out that, you know, Stan Van Gundy's gone, you know, I mean, screaming is, here we go, baby. You know, it's a disaster. They can't keep a coach. I mean, you know, I mean, you know the narrative that's coming. It's out of control. J.J. Reddick, you 12 fans. I mean, it's, you know, every, Josh Hart, Josh Hart. I didn't feel like playing basketball. Think about that. And then later months, the dude's crying on the baseline because he and, doesn't want to leave. And stays and comes back and watches a game after he's it's, been traded. It's Amazing. incredible when you think of all that. But so it's in phases because you're waiting for Zion to come back and it's not, it's not. And finally, you know, I call it to ship them off to never, never land, you know, you never to be yeah. ever seen again, yeah. but that moment mattered, Jim, because we're going to look back at this chronologically, you know, in the coming you know, weeks and months about the season and maybe where it goes that moment when they said, all right, look, you're gone four to six weeks. I think the team needed that because you're not waiting. Is it the next week? Is yeah. it this? Whose team is it? And that was, 100%. if you remember Jim, when Willie Green, pulled Brandon Ingram aside and had that conversation at practice. And I guarantee you, I know what that was. That was, this is your team. Go, go get it. And what did you see? Phase two, they started to win. It was his team. They played off of him. You saw him be more of a leader. He spoke about this earlier this week in which he said his mindset changed. It wasn't about stats. That it wasn't about, that, that's, that's not normal. You don't normally hear players admit that they were playing differently. Right. You know? You and I know this. We cover games. We cover sports. We know winning teams. It's about unselfishness, doing the little things. But, see, all this is going to lead to the importance of what you said with C.J. McCollum. But B.I. doing that mattered. And they start winning. Then they pull the trigger for C.J. McCollum. And you see why so many people that follow the Pels that, you know, had been following throughout the season had been pushing on social media to make this move. And to the point where... I'm with you, Jim. I, I knew he was good and thought he'd help the team. I never thought that I would be arguing or making the case for the argument the last nine days, which I've seen Andrew Lopez, Will Guillory now write stories on it. The last week I started with the, this dude has the potential to be Breeze 2.0. And I there's agree. so many parallels, man. That's a perfect parallel. Zion's Reggie. Right. You remember right. Fulton Street draft night. Oh, yeah. I mean, the place was nuts. It wasn't much different than on Draft Fest when the Saints drafted Reggie Bush and Reggie, Reg. I mean, that was it, right? I mean, it it sold out. That that year sold out, yes, because we came back from Katrina, but it was Reggie Bush. It wasn't Drew Brees. We're like, they got who? Didn't, didn't he coming off of an arm? So wait, hold like, on. I gotta ask you that. I gotta ask you then. Yeah. So if you, I, I think that's a perfect comparison, both of those guys. So then you're saying then, so this is yeah. these Pelicans are the Saints from 2006. So you're saying that the Pelicans are gonna win the NBA championship in 2025. Well, I I would say it, I, contention, maybe maybe contention, because that's the thing. Um, I thought you were gonna make the bold prediction time. on Datitude, and three uh, years well, from now, I was gonna call you the Golden Child. I mean, you can do it and just, you know, edit it out you know, and just save it for me. But along those lines, you have to set the, the foundation and the basis, right? And that's what we're talking about. How, why is the same logo looked at the way it is? Winning. Great. How did you get to that point? And, and it's a lot of hard work to win. 
you know, this past couple of months when we were talking uh, after Sean Payton's retirement, we had Lance Moore on, Steve Cohen, we had a bunch of former players. I'm sure you guys did as well, Jim, you know, to listen to him. And, and what did they bring up at first? Millsaps. Yeah. <laughs> they bring yeah. up Millsaps. They bring oh, up, yeah. they bring up Millsaps, how they hated it. I was not fun. They bring up, you know, the, the, the two years where after they go to the NFC championship game, which that was a 10 and six team. It's not mm-hmm. like they were 14 and two, right? They had deficiencies. Um, they, they bring that up, how it was a process to get to that point. But, and, and then you remember in 09, the motto was finish, right? Finish strong. Cause they couldn't finish. That's Do right. you remember last year, the Pelicans 14 games, double digit leads lost. So it, it, it's a step and it's a process, man, from Jordan's bulls getting past the Pistons, the Pistons getting past the Celtics. It's just, that's the NBA. It, it takes time. You have to taste pain and you have to understand it. And then, you know, we go back to what I'm saying with what CJ may be able to do. And there's a lot that needs to happen before I call him Breeze per se, which is why I say he has the potential. But what Drew did, and we saw the video that we've been seeing, you know, when, when Sean retired, people posted Drew's, you know, video and all that stuff when he first signed with the Saints gym just a couple months ago. I guess it was an anniversary or something. And there's him and Brittany, I mean, young looking, right? The day of the presser. And it's after they spoke with the media. And I think it was one of the local TV stations at him. And they're like, we love this community. We're looking forward to being a part of the community. We're going to start foundations. We're going to start. That's her saying it. That's him saying it. Right. Like day one. Then I had a practice. And he was doing that. And CJ McCollum, dude, in the time he's been here, first home game. Post-game presser, right right there on the floor with Jen Hale. That's exactly, I love being here. I can't wait to be here. I love what Willie Green is doing. I love Brandon Ingram. I love the pieces we have. I know we're going to win. That guy is the president of the Players Association. That guy has star name power, right? People know him in the league, respect him. He backed up his coach. He backed up his teammates. A week later, he calls out, look, think of what he did. He was able to do something that David Griffin couldn't do, that coaches couldn't do, that you and I haven't been able to do, we'd love to do. <laughs> he maybe snapped and shaped up Zion. He a national television all-star weekend and calls him the bleep out. I mean, flat out, calls him the bleep out by saying, nah, I ain't heard from him. And then he knows darn well, you know, that Kenny's going to follow that up. Exactly. Chuck's going to follow that up. And Shaq's going to find up later. Wait a minute. You don't need to call him. He needs to call you. And, and that's one of those things where if he's on a couch with his pizza and his Mountain Dew, he's going to be going, wait a minute. Those three guys are Hall of Famers. Those guys, they, they, well, maybe I'm doing it. I don't know. Because then remarkably on that Thursday, the first practice back, he goes, you media making this a big problem. And uh, I already talked to the big fella. Let him rehab in peace. And he gets back. I'll welcome him with open arms. You know what he did, Jim? Shut it up. Yep. Because up at that point, if you remember, Bayless, Screaming A, Herkins. I mean, dude, every day. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I I don't ever think it got that bad. Where his shape, how fat he was, how bad the organization was, that was the week. That all this started with, uh, with, with going after Kendrick Perkins. That was the week. That Tuesday, Perkins said, move the franchise to Seattle and all that stuff. That was the week. And then on that Thursday, CJ shut it down. 
You haven't heard a single story. As a matter of fact, I played sound on my show yesterday of Brian Windhorse wondering the Pelicans should move on from Zion Williamson. Tim Legler on ESPN Thursday morning. I don't know if I'd give him an extension. I just don't trust. It's incredible how the narrative has changed to where it's not any longer can the Pels put anything around him to help him win because he can't win there. It's is he committed to them? Can he help them? Right. Think about that. And, and that's it, why I call him Breeze 2.0. Well, I mean, the fact that that guy speaks like that and does that, takes the pressure off of it. B.I., he saw him do what he did in the game. And hopefully it's a learning thing for Zion and somebody to be able to take that pressure off. But, man, I don't think you can overstate the importance of what C.J. McCollum's done in two months. Sort of off topic a little bit, but I I, I I said this a few months ago. I think everything changed to me when the franchise said, they didn't say it to the public, but they, they said it internally. Look, we're 3-16. and 16. Zion's not playing this year. We're not taking a chance. There's no need to take a chance. And like you said with B.I., I think he realized, you know what? And the team realized we're moving on. We don't have to worry about this. Willie Green's like, we're, we're not talking about Zion anymore. Um, I'm not talking about him in press conferences anymore. I'm not talking about him. If somebody asked me a question, refer him to David Griffin. Let, let, let Zion talk about Zion. Let David Griffin talk about Zion. We're worrying about basketball. And what that man has, what Willie Green has done with this team and had him, these guys have simply bought in. You look at a guy like Jose Alvarado, who they pick up off the street. And I'm look, don't get me wrong, guy's the ACC defensive player of the year. I, I get it. He, he's, sure. a, he's a fantastic player, but you don't expect a guy who's going to come in on a 10 day contract and then gets another one and comes in to not only make the team, but be an integral part of it and watch what he did against the Spurs. I mean, that guy just pisses people off. I mean, and, but there's a Herb Jones. This guy's not a rookie anymore. I mean, it's a, he's, he's starting now, and who, who would have thunk that Herb Jones was going to be starting by now and leading, helping lead this team in the playoffs? Because the Pelicans, yes, the New Orleans Pelicans, boys and girls, are playing defense. It's Willie Green, and I am so impressed. I mean, I really like the hire, but I never thought it, that he would make this much of a difference this fast. It's incredible is that we had Tracy Langdon on the show on um, on Wednesday and we did the show from the Pell's facility and he's sitting there and I, I talked to him about that on the air and kind of off the air too about you know you you can have your best laid plans man he's I, I love what he does I love what he did in, in the nets and if you ever talk to him that guy's basketball yeah and, and, and Jim to your point with Willie and I was thinking about this and I brought it up finally on the air and I don't know why it took me so long to kind of make that link I don't know, and it's my homework for this weekend. How many teams have a former basketball player, a former player, at the GM position and also as a head coach? I can't Good think question. of many. Yeah, so, it's, it's one hand. You know, because, right, because I asked him about, you know, what are we going to expect tomorrow with the Spurs? And he goes, you know, he just does like that. He goes, well. I started my career there, so they're going to be prepared. Pop's going to have them prepared. You know, we're going to see something we haven't seen. He goes into it. Right. And I'm sitting there going, that helps a first-year head coach. You know, 
they can legitimately, and you know this, man. We we've had employers, <laughs> yeah, or of or, or 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 we or we know of, of teams that have you know management where they think they they're not football people, they're not basketball people, they're not where they never play, they don't understand, they think they do, or they're money people. They look at it from a money standpoint. They don't look at it from a you know logistic standpoint or how does something sound? I mean, I. I, I am shocked every day by the people sometimes in my career that actually call shots and have power and have no idea what to do, what we do and how to do it and what's important to do. But um, for him to be able to probably at practice or afterwards, you know, I'm kind of thinking about this and do that. And he told me something along the lines I think you love to hear that I thought our listeners really enjoyed. Because I, again, parallels. What was one thing that Sean Payton did really well? Now, look, he had a temperament and an issue that was good and bad, right? You had Betty Sean, and when he was locked in, he was on fire, was good. And, Jim, you and I know the early years of Sean, it was also a bad thing. And he admitted it. He had to grow up and change, too, as well, right? There were some stories about things earlier in his career. There was um, the way he acted. I mean, my first encounter, um, my first Saints sideline game with the Colts, I, I was just doing simply what Kenny Wilkinson had done before me. No one told me any differently. I'm walking off the field. I grabbed Deuce. We had just gotten our asses handed to us by the Colts. I'm doing my post-game interview. It's two questions. I'm walking off the field, and he mother bleeped me. I mean, <laughs> in the radio. right there. Oh, I mean, we hadn't gotten off the field, and he's, I mean, who told you you can do that? I'm like, I, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like me? Like, he's pointing at me. He's yelling at me. Mind you, his team just lost. <laughs> and he's worried and about he's you. he's coming after me, and – I mean, he went bananas. He's calling Bents all over. He's like, talk. I'm like, did you approve it? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we've done this for 15 years. I'm like, you know, again, I I won't do it. Fine. But that was him. He worried about, you know, I remember him, you know, calling Jeff Duncan one morning where we're in the breakfast line about the headline about Matthew Stafford being fresh meat. You know, the Detroit Lions in his first game with the Detroit Lions. And then, like Jeff Duncan, right? Jeff Lons. I don't do the head. I'll never forget Jeff right in front of me. We're in a breakfast line. And this is at the time, you know, with the breakfast room, we went above the 300 level. And he goes, and he chuckles. And he goes, don't you have a game in 30 minutes? Like he was like 30. It was, it was, I'm like, I'm like, literally the Saints were kicking off in 20 minutes. And the guy was worried about a headline. It was, it was incredible. Um, but that wasn't him at the end of his career. Right. So temperament wise, it's that's ADHD, not really. asked, ADHD medicine. Oh my God. So I, I asked, um, I asked Trajan if he can go back to the interviews to now, and did he ever think that that would be Willie? You know, what stands out from then to now? And and I was surprised. He said, same guy, same attitude and temperament. And he said the way he was in the interview is literally the same thing he was at practice today. I believe that. The way you see him right now is the same. And you would think, right, you're the interview – I got my binder like Cocho. I, you know, I'm all excited. We're going to turn this around. I'm going to make Ingram score 40 points. We're playing defense. We're going to send two guys in the corner. And to hear him say that, that was incredible. And he said that that's what stood out to them in the interview. And then here's the story that I think you'd like. The other thing that made Sean Payton successful, Jim, was he coached what he saw. Yeah. And he didn't let 
you know, what normally can affect coaches affect them. And what I mean by that is the number one thing that he stuck to, and it wasn't just mouth talk, right. Or just whatever was once you got onto the field and you were at practice, doesn't matter how you got the logo, how you got there. Right. Remember that? That's right. Antonio Pittman, Pierre Thomas. I mean, you can go on and on and on undrafted rookie free. It doesn't matter if you were drafted, if you were an undrafted rookie free agent, you were traded. What you showed was what's going to determine whether or not you're going to play or not. And he coached that and he was true. And even though sometimes Brandon Browner being one, we we're like, that guy can't play and cut him. That took forever for him to do it. You had to bring that name part. up. <laughs> no, I hear you. But look, even Charlie Brown, it took him a while. Then finally after that Rams game, he said, I've seen enough. And he never started again. But Jim, you you have to be able to do that's what made Sean Payton successful. What did Willie Green do? He had this season not only to deal with the Zion stuff, they, that, that that's that enough, Jim. When you think about how many coaches have had to go through that, your guy that, that should have doomed this. That should have completely yeah, that should have completely doomed this season. And he overcame it, but he had that sit down. With Garrett Temple, a guy that he's close to, that a lot of people feel that they're going to try to see maybe, you know, if he'd be like a, a coach next year or something, yeah. elevate him a step. Like they really respect him. He really is close to him, but that's that's hard to do, you know, at the All Star break and be like, but you can't ever see the floor again, right? <laughs> you know I mean? Right. But again, that's realizing that that's what's best for the team. You know, if you're a wrestling fan, the McMahon's what's best for business, right? Sometimes it's art. Devontae Graham. Uh, that was the next name house, I was going to call. Goes to his house, sits down with him, makes it a personal thing, says, look, man, I love you, but this is what's best for the team. And Jim, he did it again in the most important game of the season. Yep. Graham played four minutes. Well, yep. He came Jose out, Alvarado, Jose. That's right. He closed out a playoff game with Alvarado and to your point, Herb Jones didn't start the season, saw that he played, and that guy is a guy, as Trajan Langdon said, he's never going to step foot again, uh, not on the starting line, because the story that I want to tell you is short and sweet. I asked him, I said, could you have ever imagined that? He goes, we didn't, but Willie did. He said, Willie came to us at after Vegas, and he said, he's going to start for us. And we we're like, what are you talking about? We, we don't see that at all. There's right. no way this guy's going to start. He goes, he goes, no, I'm telling you what I'm seeing. He's going to be a starter for us. And he didn't, he didn't even start as Trajan said, some room, but right. Willie said what he had seen, he knew he was going to be important. And then he got to Nashville and then Trajan said, and then me and David like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. We see it. We see it. But when he told me that dude, I went, I just kind of like leaned back in my chair dude, and I went, we're good. We're good. Because then that was the final confirmation of he gets it. He gets it. He can communicate. That's uberly important in the NBA. You better be able to communicate with those guys today. He can coach. In other words, he understands the, the things that go into that, whether it's game plan. I mean, Greg Popovich, dude, on, on you know Wednesday, was giving props to Willie, saying that his team came out prepared, his team played physical. The moment wasn't too big. He's giving props to him. Um, so he can coach. 
And then fairness. I think players want that. Right. And and he is. If I'm performing and producing, can I play? I mean, in this, it's the name that you probably don't even think of much. Billy Hernan Gomez. That dude's yeah. a walking double-double. That guy should be playing. He's a, he's a walking double-double. Zero he minutes. He's a double-double. He doesn't play. He'll go weeks and games where he doesn't play. Although, know, I, will, although does, I will say he's he might, always smiling. He might have played better than Larry Nance the other night. I'm just, just saying. That, I'm that's, just, that's, I'm, saying. <laughs> that's what I mean. So that's the beauty of, of what you know I'm excited about and why I'm excited about. Well, I will say this. Um, you know, in a young coach, it usually takes them a few. You talk about Sean and yeah, they went to the NFC Championship the first game. It was really, in the grand scheme of things, almost a fluke. But you, and because they 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 struggled in '07 and '08, and they got it together, and it's a different team in '09. Um, but you could see Willie Green to me, although he was the same person, he evolved over this season. Just the confidence level in him. Uh, right from from day one in his first night on the bench in those first few weeks to now, you look at him now. I mean, he's got his arms folded. The dude's just confident. I mean, he he knows he belongs. I mean, we know because yeah. we can see see through the thing. You know, right. he, he he's just confident, man. And it's just it's so wonderful to see a rookie head coach who's the only thing younger than Sean Payton was your, when he started. Yeah. And, and I have to interrupt you, but you talk about his demeanor on the sideline, and you could see when you go to games, um, his arms are folded in confidence, like you're saying. But a lot of the times when they're not, he's coaching. Yeah. And, and if you walk to it, um, and you watched him play, he's do that. 100%. You know, he's doing that the entire game yeah. during free throws. Next time you watch, he'll call Jose over, Herb over, Trey over, and it's mostly the younger players, but. He'll quickly call him over. He'll point something or something of that nature. Or when you see the the offensive sets, you know he'll you know you'll see him constantly doing that to guy to come over in his face. He is involved in every play, and, and that's what's incredible to me. Even if it's not a demonstrative hand gesture, he's observing what's going on, and that's what I'm talking about. That guy reminds me so much, <laughs> but it's just different demeanor. But he's he just gets it, you know, and that's why. I think that the importance of having a guy like Trajan, the importance of even having a guy like David, having gone through, you know, LeBron and, and what yeah. that takes and all that other stuff, you know I mean? A lot of times that pressure when Zion doesn't play this year from the national media, the narratives, the, the local folks, I mean, that guy probably can't go to a grocery store without people calling him a bum or, you know, what's wrong with Zion and, you know, stuff like that. So, a lot of people in that managerial position maybe can't handle that, you know? And I do think his time in Cleveland probably handle it and hearted him to, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and, and not get it, you know? And look, that's the beauty. I've said this all along, you know, good luck, Zion, if that's really where you want to go, because you think our media is tough and, and our Twitter is bad. Something tells I mean, me he's going to Julius Randle was the toast of the town. Yep. Thibodeau was the toast of the town. They can't wait to get rid of that guy. You know, it's 
dude, it's nuts. But no, I'm with you. Look, Jim, I've said it um, throughout the season. Both sides needed to be adults and grow up one way, shape, or form. And I don't even know which side needs it more. Um, but uh, you can't be doing a dunk contest before the playoff game and not think that that's not going to get noticed and stuff right. like that. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's still some growing for it's that only 20, what, 21, 22. He's only 21, 22 years old. I mean, you gotta, we got to remember that still. I get it, but at the same time, Jim, at the same time, um, Anthony Edwards doesn't do that. At the yeah, same time, you don't feel that way about Ja Morant. At the same time, you don't that's feel true. that way about a lot of these younger players as well. So I think a lot of times, and I don't mean that to you personally, but because I do it too, we're quick to say youth. Well, you know, there's a that's lot true. of youth on that team. Uh, Herb Jones isn't like that. You know, Trey that's Murphy true. isn't like that. So – they're all the same age or younger. I think one of the things that needs to happen is just maybe playing and then getting into it. But, you know, again, I, bottom line is this. I, I look at it as common sense and business. He has struggled with his weight, and he has struggled with injuries. I couldn't run fast enough if I'm hand to that extension. Sign it. The second that ink dries, it's guaranteed in the NBA. Worry about where you want to play later. I'm looking at it as a business standpoint. You sign it, Jim. You sign it as fast as you can. How much is it? How many years? Guaranteed. I'm not even worried about the years. It's guaranteed. Where's the paper? Give it to me. And you sign it. And that's why I've never understood. Again, you can control the narrative. You can. I mean, Lamar Jackson two weeks ago tweeted three lines. I don't know where this is coming from that I don't want to be a Raven. I love my team. I look forward to being here. Stop it. It's all you had to do. It's all Zion would ever have to do on Instagram or Twitter or anything. I love New Orleans. Can't wait to sign the extension. Go, pals. I'm worried about next season or this season. I mean, you know, like, that's it. But you know, but you you know what, guys? That's it. You know what, though? Here's the thing, though. Now, I, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. It's probably a little too light. But in the grand scheme oh, right, right. of things, this team is going in the right direction with or oh, uh, no. without Zion. And we here's the thing. You present him the extension, you say, We'd love you to be here. We want but yep. you're gonna have to work to stay here. It's different now. It's not like please Zion, please sign this paper. It's here's the paper, here's what we're offering. If you want this, you're gonna have to work your tail off. And if you don't want it, and when you you wanna go and be uh, somewhere where the media is gonna shine bright on you then go ahead. But the fact is the Pelicans don't need Zion anymore. And that's the most remarkable aspect. And that's why I called it a, a success on, on Wednesday night, Jim, because you had people waiting, you had people ready to buy in. They were hopeful, but history had kind of prepared us for a letdown. And what happened? They performed. BI, I, I, it was my moment that I thought that stood out on the show. I, I brought out as they wouldn't stood out to you and to me. Brandon Ingram's dunk in the first quarter. Early in that first quarter. Unquestionable. Drives down the lane. Da, da, and you Ball saw game. his reaction. Hey, he came to play. It yes, wasn't too big for him. He was ready for it. The crowd then went, whoa, bleep. All right. All right. Let's go get him. And, and that got everybody going. I know there were other moments in the game, but that to me was important because he is one of your younger stars. He was... One of the guys last year and early this year were like, God, so good, but he can't close. Dude can't close. He hit the two big shots at the end of the game. 
Popovich at the end of the game mentioned, we were there, got to within six, and Brandon Ingram hit back-to-back shots in the lane. That was key for him. Because that After was a, he hadn't scored player, in a quarter a, and a half. Yeah, that was a do I moment. He came through. That you, you can't coach that, you can't teach that, either you can do it or not, and you have to do it to do it. And once you do it, you'll feel more comfortable doing it. Does that make sense? And Absolutely. that's why that was so key. That's why it was so important. To your point, it's the point that I've been making on the show. People were there Wednesday. You were there Wednesday. People were freaking out and enjoying themselves and buying Herb Jones shirts, Jose Alvarado jerseys. Right. Had nothing to do with Zion, dude. Had That's nothing right. to do with Zion. Had That's nothing right. to do with Zion. Like people were pumped up and Twitter kept going to one o'clock in the morning. Um, that night, the day they beat the Lakers, had nothing to do with Zion. The day they, they clinched had nothing to do with Zion. It's incredible. And, and that's, I'm with you. And that's why I was saying it makes sense for both sides. Both sides need it. If you want to trade the guy, you got to get value for him. So he needs to get on the court. If he wants to get out of here, he needs to show he's one of the better players. Because every day, and I saw it yesterday morning and this morning, they keep putting up, you know, the top 25, under 25, he ain't on there. So, no, he wants to make be. the money he thinks he's going to make. He wants to be the star that he thinks he's going to be. He needs to get on the court. So for both sides, it absolutely makes sense. That's why I'm not even worried. I'm with you. He's going to play next year. He's going to sign the extension because it's guaranteed money. If he gets hurt, it's guaranteed money. And then if you don't like it, you go James Harden and Ben Simmons. You have literally two examples this year where two guys didn't want to play for their team and got traded. So you give, I think you owe Willie Green a year. He needs to get back and show he can be a dominant player or not. The team needs him to play that way because Jackson Hayes, thanks for showing up on Wednesday at zero points. Imagine that starting lineup with 25 or 27, and that's what Zion's going to give you. So that starting lineup with Zion, good luck. It's, it's a tough lineup, and I think I it's agree. exciting. So – it, it benefits both parties, so I don't even worry about it anymore. And I think Pels fans are starting to get to that point where we're like, dude, you don't want to be here. It's on you. I, I mean, think you saw that Wednesday night. You're about to, yeah. And that, yeah. that's what you saw Wednesday night. Gus Kattengill, before yeah. we let you go, um, give me a prediction. Are the Pels going to be playing basketball after tonight? Honest opinion. My initial, okay. gut, yeah, my initial gut reaction is I don't know if they're going to have the energy. Yeah, that's an emotional thing, and I think I that's agree. the thing that I, I'm I'm interested in tonight is how do you respond to something like that? That's a first step, as Willie Green said, it's a big win for our program. And I go back to several years ago before Clemson became today's Clemson. You remember Jim? It was the Chick Fil A Bowl or something where they that's beat right. LSU, and Dabo's going bananas. I mean, and that was a year where LSU, I think, had a bad loss and. That was a bowl they didn't want to be in. Like, That's right. No one was excited about it. Like half the Tiger fans didn't even show up, but we watched it anyway. For Clemson, they celebrated like they won the national championship. And Dabo said it at the end of the game. We beat an SEC team. To them, it was a step. And then they hadn't looked back since then. So I'm interested today, more so than a win or loss, how do you respond? Like, if they lose today in the fourth quarter, because Paul George is Paul George and Paul George hits a three fifteen feet behind a three point line. Right. It's the NBA playoffs. Right. If they lose by 30, it's gonna suck. But I can understand it. I just think I 
how hard is that? They, they landed yesterday. You know, Graf texts me. It's three hours and 48 minutes to left after one. It was just before five o'clock. They got a police escort. He said the first time all year uh, in L.A., which I was shocked that it worked in L.A., a police uh. escort, but it did. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was like 5, 5.15. So now I know it's three hours back, so it's three-something. But that, that's not Memphis. That's not Chicago. Which I mean, that's, that's time on a plane, and then that's a time change and a half, dude. So it's a challenge. And then to come back and have to play Phoenix would be tough as well if you win. But I, I, I just want to see them play well. So my, my heart of hearts thinks they don't win because you're battling things that is going to be tough to overcome. You're, and that's, you know, physical stuff. I mean, that's your legs. That's energy. I mean, you can want to play all you want and prepare. Does, does, the, does your body have it? Because – that is emotionally draining how you played on Wednesday. That is emotionally something um, that you need to do that's, um, that's tough, you know, when you look at it from a perspective of, of gearing up for a team that, man, is good. So, now I don't think they hit eight threes to start the game like they did the last time they played out in L.A., but I, my heart of heart says no, but, my goodness, I would love for that to happen because I do think you can gain something out of – you know, playing Phoenix because that is the top of the mountain. You want to see what it takes. They have the coach. And to get, get, the, take. get the money, get the money versus Willie uh, series. That would be a great story. Dude, but yeah, I just thought too, man. It's just, I think for those guys to see it, yeah. you, you want to win the West. There you go. Well, I got, I got There's seven dollars. I got seven dollars on them that can win me. I think it was, uh, it was like fifteen hundred or something stupid. Uh, nice. for, hey, wait a minute, where's that at? at <laughs> Caesars. That they're they're three hundred to one, man. Three hundred to one on Caesars to win the NBA championship. There it is, man. Why not? There you go. you it. know, it'd be Why a great not? story. Let's I'm keep you talking about. Enough. Let's let's keep you talking about the Pelicans playing basketball for. At least another week and a half, two weeks. We'll I'm see in. what happens. Let, let's just have fun with it. it it's, it's great that we're not talking about hopefully the ping pong balls will help you this year. <laughs> oh, man, no kidding, man. I've had enough of hey, ping look, pong balls. You got balls. the Lakers pick, man. The beauty of it is you got options. You can use it to get a veteran point guard. You can use it for a good young player. But, man, this roster's kind of locked in already. You know, who's coming in the Kraken, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. So, they got options, and it's crazy to think of where you were at the beginning of the season to now. It's fun, man. It, it's it, fun. This is fun for me. It really is fun. And speaking of fun, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, old friend. I haven't seen you in a, in a while before Wednesday night, and uh, glad everything's going well for you. And uh, let's have Pelicans for a couple more weeks, and let's have the Cubs be relevant into September. And that's, that's all. We don't ask for a lot. We're not asking for a lot. Let's just have that. I'd love to be like July 4th. Can we get to July 4th at least? All right, July 4th. All right, I'll go for July 4th. <laughs> Gus Kidengill, thanks for joining us here on the Datitude Podcast. Sure, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Jim. I'm not sure why we didn't have Gus on before today. I was thinking about that when I said, let me, let me just text Gus, see if he'd come on the show. We should have had him on before today, for sure. Um, but glad that we finally did get him on. We'll have him on again soon. Um Fun guy, uh, just your average Joe kind of dude. And that's what I love having on the show. And most of the guys that we have on the show are just average Joe kinds of dudes. Um, 
We are going to move on from the Pelicans to the USFL, and we're going to not take ourselves, let's just put it this way, we're, we're not going to take ourselves very seriously when we bring on our next guest. Um, Dave D. Squared de Corbier, who is a friend of the show and comes on every Friday during the NFL season, uh, is going to be on today, and we're going to talk about the New Orleans Breakers and the USFL and some weird rules as we prepare you for the first weekend of USFL action. It's going to be a fun one. Now, some of the things we talk about, we're being serious about. Other things, not so much. Have you seen this mascot? Oh, who? I want to know before we get to this interview. And I mean, I hate to be talking football. They're about to, we're about to have a new football team, even though they're playing all their games in Birmingham. But who make, draws up a mascot that looks like? And if you haven't seen it, you go Google it. New Orleans Breakers mascot. Or if you have Twitter, go on Twitter and go find the New Orleans Breakers, and it's all over there. They're having a contest for their name. Not only I want to know who designs this thing and what the dude was smoking or what she was smoking when they drew up this mascot, but what I want to know is who approves and says, yeah, that is great. That's awesome. Let's roll with it, baby. Roll with it. I need to meet these people. I really do. I need to party with these people. I mean, I'm 53 years old and I probably can't hang anymore. But they have fun. Because this mascot is out there. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the new the Breakers quarterback. Who um, we start off. In fact, we start off this interview with a little bit of trivia. About the Breakers quarterback, Kyle Sloter. Pretty interesting. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. Let's find out. All aboard. All aboard the Taysom train. Conductor Dave is on the Taysom train. Well, I guess now you're on the Kyle Sloter train. Uh, no, I don't even know who this, this dude is. <laughs> I, I guess we could say I'm on the Breakers train, maybe just because the novelty. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm I, I don't know what's going on, man. I, I. I don't want. I don't. I want Tay Tay to still be with the Saints. I, I'm. I'm. Maybe you can play for the Breakers. Man. Oh, well, you know what? You know what? I would be, that would be awesome because that would just like, if you make him the QB, oh my God, dude. Like, like people would actually drive to suck ass Birmingham to go watch a game. They could make him the mascot. No, you take, you shut your, you take that back, Jim Derry. Take it back T- right now. Tay Tay the breaker. <laughs> breaker, breaker, Tay Tay. <laughs> David what did D- I agree to do this? David D squared to Corbier of 1280 AM here on the Datitude podcast because we needed some levity on a good Friday. I, I tell you what, I'm going to start you off because we're here to talk. We're going to talk about USFL. And um, I'm going to start you off with a trivia question. Ooh, okay. Okay. Kyle Sloter is our, is our quarterback, mm-hmm. is the New Orleans Breakers quarterback. What happened? What big thing happened? On Kyle Sloter's 16th birthday. Uh, 
don't know. They get caught smoking weed in a bar. No, a you're going away. They're with the, You're really going the wrong way. You're. I mean, you know, oh, did he been on the show a couple did, months? Did he, did he join the? Did he join the seminary? No, you're. You can't join the seminary at 16. You're already bringing this show down. Do. I mean, this show is already like on the floor. I mean, we don't have damn basements in, in New Orleans, okay? You can't bring us in the basement. We'll get flooded out, okay? So you're going the what wrong way. Something, what did he do? Something very good happened on Kyle Slaughter's 16th birthday. He got married to his cousin. I don't know. Right. No, no. Jesus Christ, no. All right, I'm going to give you a hint. His 16th Stop taking the Lord's name in vain. On Good Friday, you're going to hell. On Good Friday... He was born, I mean, on Good Friday. Kyle Sloter was born on February the 7th, 1994. Oh, my God. No way. Absolutely, sir. He wow. was born. His 16th birthday occurred on the day the Saints won the Super Bowl. That's, that's impressive. Way that, to go. I mean, that is, uh, I'm telling you, that ain't a sign. I don't know what is, you know. Well, we uh, I got sure. Well, we'll we'll take any side we can get. I, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm I'm looking for any kind of like uh, kind of good things we can find. The dude is six five. I mean, you know, he, but well, the bad thing is he played for the Vikings. Uh, oh my God, really? Yeah. Not only that, here here's something worse. You know where where he was born. If you say Atlanta, I'm I'm taking off my headset, walking out. Born in Atlanta, Georgia. Jeez, right? He's fired already. He's fired already. <laughs> put in this backup. Put in the backup right out. Uh, we don't know who the backup is, but put him in. Gosh darn it! All right, what are you? Uh, the New Orleans Breakers. I, I I sense that you're probably getting a little bit more fired up about it than than most football fans around the New Orleans metropolitan area are. Uh, well, I'm fired up for several reasons. Basically, because yeah, great, it, it's football. It'll be fun to watch. But who the hell starts a season on Easter weekend, on Easter Sunday, and then? But wait, there's more. Why on God's green earth are you putting them at different times every week on different stations every week? It's a round robin on like USA, FS1, and and then Fox, and then NBC. Like like. Oh my God! I'm just—I'm already frustrated because the opening game is on the USA Network, which means I can't watch a stupid game. What? What the hell TV do you have? I don't pay cable because cable sucks. Uh, Don't get me started on that rant. I hate Cox Cable with passion. What about YouTube TV? Hotter than two suns. Uh, Just steal somebody's YouTube code, probably. I guess. I'm not giving you mine. So you're going to have to go work some other option. But you know what? It's got to actually happen. I'm going to be at the in-laws for Easter Sunday dinner. Oh, there you go. So I'll just watch it on their TV. Just tell them, ask so. them if they can make dinner at 4 o'clock. Isn't that what time? 3 well, o'clock? Well, that's actually what we're time. doing it because I got to make, make stuffing. I gotta, you know, we're making it like it's Thanksgiving dinner. Don't, I don't you have know a show just, coming on? Like, uh, I, I do at 7 o'clock, but I, I'm, I'm going to pre-record that later today, my friend. Uh, okay. Well, that's exciting stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um all right, before we get to the team itself and the little bit we know, and we can pretend, 
Don't tell anybody, but we're going to pretend like we know all about this team and how well, good they're going to I, be. I, I, I did some homework, which is very rare for me. You know I never prepare for anything. You haven't done homework uh, since like third grade. And, and it's uh, only because your mama beat your ass. Parents, both my parents were math teachers, and math waved bye bye to me a long time ago. But I did prep. I did prep on all of the teams, like of course the uniforms and the mascots and the schedule. And then I looked at the rule book, and uh, it's very confusing. Like an eighteen point swing is like the differential nowadays. Like if you're two, you know, possessions behind, that's eighteen points total. Let that. I see your, your, Wait, what? your the cock spinning in your head. Okay, so there's when you three score point, a touchdown. Three-point conversions? There's three-point conversions. There How are the two-point conversions this? and one-point conversion. So the uh, the one-point conversion is you kick the field goal. The two-point conversion is they uh, line you on the one and, and uh, you, you make a play. Uh, the three-point conversion is they put you back at like the 10 or the 15, I think, or the 12-yard line, something weird like that. Okay. And then you got one shot. So they put you way back. And, and then, you know. That's, Why don't you that's just put them back at the 25 for a four-point conversion? I don't Maybe so. Maybe that'll be a Put them at the 50 season. for an eight-point conversion. Well, if you go for an onside kick, you can either kick the onside kick or you can get fourth and 12 at your own 33. Make that make sense, Jim Derry. Now my head's fourth and twelve on your own thirty-three. I know my head's gonna look like the damn mascot's head. I got toothpaste (laughs) on my all over my head. They squeeze toothpaste on the the dude's head. Oh God, I I I know. We'll get to the mascots here shortly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just let those little weird rules. So there's three point conversions. Well, I mean, those are really the ones that really jump out to you because it, it, that's that's really about it. I didn't even know about the uh, the ball measurement thing. I guess what do they do? They put like GPS at the front on each nose of the ball or something. Uh, yeah, you're within two point seven eight nine six feet of a first down. Wow, that's, no, that's I mean, oddly I specific. I know, but I get it. I mean, so um, that may work though, but there. Well, I hope they adopt the rule, and I don't know, I haven't seen this, but I hope they adopt the rule of the XFL of um, you get to hear the replay officials actually talking to one another instead of them just coming out and say, nah, he didn't make no, it. No, I, I, I didn't like that because it was never as interesting as you thought it would be. I mean, we, we would But that's the point, though. I, I hate when they come out and say, after further review, the, rule, the ruling is not overturned. Well, why? I mean, like the other night at the Pelicans game, we we're talking about it. The the ball clearly goes off the Spurs guy's foot. They go and look at it for five minutes and come out and say, upon further review, denied. Well, why? Oh my god. I would have been yeah. nice to hear them talk about it. Why? I mean, that's I one get that, but it, that that's if that's the NBA. Uh, where you know those games actually matter. There's the NFL where those games actually matter. But when you look at the <laughs> XFL and the USFL, do those games really matter, uh, Jim Darren? All right. Of course okay. they matter to someone. Here's the other dumbass rule. I'm sorry, I totally forgot about this one. Two forward passes behind the line of scrimmage. You can have two forward passes behind the line of scrimmage. So, so they're going to bastardize the game. What? Oh my God. Yeah. But I mean, just so, so this is, you know what it really is for? It's for those young up and coming coaches that really want to crack open the playbook and really showcase, you know, they're outside the box thinking, you know, this is where Sean Payton would really excel. Is anyone buying this that I'm trying to sell? 
Anyone? No. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't. <laughs> are there any up and coming coaches in this thing? No. There are coaches that's that we've heard that of, but that. Yeah, the, the, the Spring League, which, you know, oh, my God, look. The Spring League is, okay, so, like, the, the, the Philadelphia Stars, who we're going to play on Sunday. Right. Um, their Jim Moore's coach coaching? Their QB, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Jim Moore used to coach the Stars. Is he coming back? Oh, God. no, no, no. But but the, okay. uh, the coach and the quarterback, whose names don't really matter, uh, them and most of their team played in the spring league. And so one of the new pundits for the USFL was like, oh, we know these guys already have chemistry built up because they were in the spring league. So I'm, you know, I'm like, all right, let me double check the spring league stuff. You know, they make these guys, the players have to pay for the privilege to be in the spring league. They have to pay for the privilege. I am not kidding you. They have to provide their own health insurance. They have to provide their own room and board. It used to cost them $300. Now it costs them $2,000 for the privilege to showcase, air quotes, showcase their talents to the CFL and maybe the NFL. There's a semi-protein that plays out of Lacombe, and those guys get paid. Yep. Nope. Not not the spring league, which is what uh, they're, they're bastardizing to create the USFL again. So these poor guys. What you know, network they, does that air be on? Youngers. Wait. Let's say that again. What network does that air on? Oh, it doesn't. It it, no. it it it's a round robin sort of thing that they would do for like four weeks or whatever, and it was you know like it, it kind of like this. It never took. Yeah, yeah, kind kind of like this because they all played uh, in, in you know one stadium, yeah. but uh, yeah, like it, it seemed like a scam because it was they had to be twenty four years or older. If you had previously been in the NFL, you they would waive those fees for you. But if you're some young pup trying to you know break it in, you didn't get drafted. You're from you know like a Samford or some sort of college where it's like okay, I need to put myself on the radar for the CFL. Perhaps you have to pay for that privilege. It's like. Yeah. I, I in, in, other words, analogy, in other words, in other words, the daddies who are still hanging on to a dream and like got their kid playing football when he was three, he's still paying for this stuff now. It's probably exactly spot on and closer to the mark than anybody wants to admit. Yeah. Yeah, we all know those guys. All right. Anyway, um, no, and all, all kidding aside, just for about 30 seconds, I, I'm actually kind of um I wouldn't say fired up, but I'm looking forward to to seeing this because I think um, I always thought that spring football could succeed as long as they understood what they were and tried to do. Um, we've seen spring leagues come up and they take things too seriously and we're going to change the football world and blah, blah, blah. Oh, um, yeah. I think this this league is, and the fact that it's kind of, it's partnered with the NFL, um, I, I don't want to call it a, uh, NFL G league or anything like that. But I, I think that it's going to be, um, I think they know what they are and these players know what they're trying to be. And sort of like what the arena league got to be when I was covering them towards the end, when they, they didn't take themselves too seriously, but it got enough interest to where it was a big enough deal where people were interested. Oh yeah. Dude, I, I loved going to go see the voodoo over the smoothie King center, man. I mean, I used to love watching those games. That, that, that was just fun, man. I enjoyed you covering know? them. Uh, no, you know, and, and I, I, I think you're right. Uh, that they, they, these teams, you know, they, 
it's also backed up by major networks. Of course, I'm, I'm still mad about the whole FS1 USA network stuff, but they are giving them time. And I think, look, you, you and I understand what makes media work. It's advertisers. So you're asking Fox, you're asking NBC, USA, and FS1 to give up roughly something along the lines of like 24 hours worth of programming, you know, in the middle of a day where they're going to play a football game for three hours, and if nobody's buying ads, then they're losing money. And so, you know, they're taking maybe not a big hit, but they're taking a huge risk uh, uh, as far as doing this. And so that, I think, is at least a positive, uh, you know, make positive movement. You know, I mean, it, maybe it'll survive. I, I hope this one survives longer than the other three spring leagues that have come and gone and buckled after, like, four games because their checks were bouncing, you know, Um uh, this one, and it's got history, though, too, Jim. I mean, that's the kind of cool part. All these teams were former USFL teams, like the Jersey Generals, had Doug Flutie and Herschel Walker playing for them, they, you know, the, the Breakers as well. So this at least has a nice little bit of nostalgia to go along with it. So, you know, it will generate interest. I'll say that. It'll generate interest, and if the games are at least semi-watchable, I think we'll have, I think, I think you know, it'll, it'll maybe catch on. The all kidding aside segment of the show has now ended, officially ended. Um, no, I just, bring back NFL Europe. I want to show no, the I mean, you, again. You were, talking about the, you were talking about the risk Fox Sports has taken. I mean, they're going to have to take like rollerblading off the air on Sundays in, in <laughs> April and May. And uh, no more roller derby on NBC or whatever the hell they, they were showing. Um, maybe the, uh, the Jack Links tour of the golf. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever they show on Sunday <laughs> the, afternoons. The cornhole tournament brought the corn, to you by. The cornhole. That's actually on ESPN. The cornhole. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> cornhole is on ESPN. That's how desperate they get in, in June and July. So who knows? Um, I, you know, what do you know about this team uh, that you can share? But I, we talked about Kyle Sloter. I told you everything you could possibly want to know about Kyle Sloter. He threw for 9,000 yards in high school. And I think 2,800 or so yards in his only real season of playing college football. When he didn't play at Southern Miss, they took away his scholarship and he went to Northern Colorado. But he has been on several NFL rosters in preseason and actually was on the Vikings roster for, I think, two years in an active roster during the regular season as a, I don't know if he was backup or a third string quarterback, I'm not sure, but he was on a roster. So we, we know about Kyle Slaughter. What else do you know about this, this team? I will tell you that there's a wide receiver named Taewon Taylor. Oh, Taylor, Taylor, yeah. And his, so we got a new Tay-Tay. <laughs> no one can re- replace my Tay-Tay. Don't, don't, it's like my goldfish died, and you're going to replace it with a different goldfish. I know what Goldie looks like, Okay. It's not Taewon Taylor, but no, look, he got he got drafted by the Titans uh, back in 2017, uh, and, and what's funny, I guess I'm glad I didn't say this because the average median age usually in spring leagues is like 24ish or so. Yeah. So, well, I guess that would that would put him about right. That'd be 18 plus. Well, there's uh, a lot. I'm looking at the roster. There's a lot of 26s, 29s, 27s. Uh, so I think you're. T- I, I guess it's kind of a good thing because it means these guys. Uh, I don't want to say they're still hanging on, but they're right, right. they. Most of these guys have probably, at least at some point, been on NFL rosters, whether they played in a regular season game or not. Oh my! God. I forgot. T.J. Logan. 
TJ Logan was on the Buccaneers practice squad when they won the Super Bowl. So we have a Super Bowl champ on the the New Orleans Breakers team. Maybe, maybe Tom Brady knocked some sense into him. Yeah, all right. Well, we're totally gonna win now. Oh, we're it's totally over. Gonna win. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that about uh, puts out the rest of my knowledge. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, that's all we needed to know anyway. We'll have to watch, and the next time we'll have you on, we will be more knowledgeable about this. All right, before we let you go, we got to talk about this mascot. All right. When I saw this thing, all right, it's not, it's not quite as scary and creepy as, as the King Cake Baby. Um, oh, God. Because I have nightmares of that thing. Um, and the original Pierre the Pelican, um, I, I've tried to put that out of my mind, but it comes back every now and then, and it makes me not want to eat for two days, and I'm fat. Uh, so uh, this dude is... I think I told you off the air. It, it reminds me, uh, it, for anybody that's old enough to remember Max Headroom, um, it reminds uh, Max, me. Max, Max, Max Headroom. Head, 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 head. Exactly. It's Max Headroom got in a fight with a tube of toothpaste and he lost. What do you think? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I would go with that. I mean, he also looks like the, uh, the moon guy from McDonald's back in the 80s when he was playing the piano up in the moon. Uh, oh, yeah, that dude. But, He's smiling though, Jim. He's smiling and he's pointing. He's what the he hell actually, is he smiling about? Does he realize how hot a, it gets in Birmingham in in because, May and June? <laughs> because we have a Super Bowl champ on the New Orleans Breakers. That's what he's smiling about. Uh, look, in comparison to the rest of the team's mess, we have the best one. I lie. I am Jesus, not lying. We that's have scary. the best one. The the Philadelphia Stars. It looks like uh, uh, who? What, what's that goofy mascot from the Mets? You know, but he's funny. His belly. Oh, you know, Mr. Met. Belly shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's got. Well, or maybe I'm thinking of the other guy. You thinking of the uh, Philly Red fanatic? Sox. Yeah, yeah. Or or the Red Sox. It doesn't really matter. The no, Philly guy is like. Of, he's of that ilk. He's a red furry monster, but he looks like he got left in the oven too long, and he's just sort of melting. He looks like a, a weird sort of red rocket thing going on. I don't oh, know watch he's it. Got two little horns. Watch it. I know, but I know what I'm saying. He's got two little horns. He's round, and, and it's just awful. He, he's, it's just a red furry monster. It's like Elmo's crackhead cousin. That's the best analogy. I can do. Elmo. Elmo's that could be his. That could be his name. Elmo. Elmo. Oh, oh my God. Elmo's so crackhead cousin. Elmo's crackhead cousins. But now, wait, but wait, there's more. All right, wait, the Pittsburgh Maulers. The Pittsburgh Maulers, their guy looks like Bob the Builder. It's just a dude <laughs> with a yellow heart hat on and suspenders. It's the, the, the Pittsburgh Maulers is Bob the Builder. But then you look at Houston Gamblers, they got Woody from Toy Story. It's just some some weird guy with a cowboy hat and a card in him. And he's like, That's insane. You. Why wouldn't they have a guy get? Why would they have some like some drunk guy poker player or something? I mean, they're the gamblers. He's supposed to be a cowboy poker player. A, a, a drunk guy with like a twelve-day beard and some nasty Look, clothes. Now the Michigan Panthers, their their mascot is basically just a, a is it Bobby Abear. <laughs> Not Bobby Abear. Uh, the Birmingham Stallions actually looks like the Broncos mascot with the horse head that you okay. see up in Mile High. Oh, I thought that you were gonna say the dude cool. with the tub over his over his belly. He <laughs> no, doesn't no, wear no. a shirt when it's t- uh, ten degrees outside. But, but then the worst two in the league, the New Jersey Generals. It's just a dude with a flat bill hat 
and wearing the general's uniform. And, and I, I don't even know where to go with that. It's just a guy. It's like, here's our it, fan. It, it, I was going to say, it's a recurring a fan. You're the fan of the yeah. week. You get to be our mascot this week. Come out on the field. Uh, wow. Yeah. Make sure you sign up at Dairy Queen for your you chance got, to be the New Jersey general mascot. But you got to shave your head finally, to do it. The finally, the, the one that I find the funniest. I actually already got in a Twitter war with some dumbass fan from Tampa a Bay Bandits Twitter already. war over this a mascot. Uh, well, you know, he literally, he, he tweets out, you know, look, Tampa already owns New Orleans. I'm like, boy, you better sit your ass down. And How many because, times did you know, beat him? I, I, you know, I, I'm not going there with these people, but he was all like, look at this, this fly uniform. It's so awesome looking. They look like a, a mishmash of Georgia Bulldogs and, I don't know, the crap, crappy Falcons. It's red and black and white and it's just dumb looking. But their mascot, Jim, uh, when, when did we fight the Civil War? That would be 1861, 1865. Their mascot looks like, and this, this should be the New Jersey general, but maybe put him in a blue Federal Union uniform. The guy looks like he is a a, a rebel Confederate general. He's got all gray. He's got a it's Colonel Sanders. I don't know what he is, but he doesn't look like a bandit to me. I don't know what this guy is. He's got a, a little red handkerchief over his face. I man, I, I don't know what people are thinking when they made these mascots. When I think okay. bandits, I think of a raccoon. They should have had. Uh, <laughs> they should have had a raccoon as their mascot. Why were we not on the PR team for the USFL? I, I don't know. It, man. They, they really I, dropped the ball. I could say they could hire us, but um, you know, I get now. paid too. too I get now. paid too much to do this podcast. That ain't happening. Nah. <laughs> oh <laughs> I mean, man! Uh, you and me so, both. All yeah, right, I, uh, we're gonna have fun with it. And um, the the bandits, by the way, I'm the bandits. The breakers are a two and a half point favorite this week. By the way, you you can't nice. get it right now at Caesar's Sportsbook. You have to go to BetMGM to bet it. But uh, oh, okay. There you go, two and a half point favorites. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you pick. I mean, you've done all this homework. Um, oh well, you know, Breakers I'll, minus clearly, two and a half over. <laughs> let me guess. Clearly, I'm marking it down. Clearly, I'm going to pick the New Orleans Breakers because <laughs> we have a, we have an, we have a Super Bowl champion on the team, and uh, the, the, the Philadelphia Stars are a bunch of has-beens from the Spring League, riding right. their former glory from their eight games that they had in, like, Podunk, North Dakota. By the way, what do they call in the USFL championship? Do we even know? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Just championship the games. The Bowl? On the schedule. <laughs> oh, you, you know that? I don't know how this got stuck in my head, but, you know, the New Jersey Generals, they played up in the uh, Giants Stadium, but when they were there, they called it the Meadowlands, which apparently that name stuck uh, moving forward because that's what they that's what they – Name the generals whenever they played in Giants Stadium, just like you know when the Jets would play there. For you young people out there, a former president owned the New Jersey Generals back in the day. Well, he wasn't a former president then; oh. he was a future oh, president. Oh God, you know, you know who used to own Tampa Bay Bandits though? Burt Reynolds. Burt oh, that's Reynolds right. One the of late the Burt Reynolds, like the Mean Machine. I think that's why they went with the red and gold, a red mean and machine. silver and black. They should have. They should have recreated the Mean Machine. They should have called uh, him the Mean Machine. Absolutely, they I'd watch that. The Mean Machine. Oh man. So yeah, this Sunday on Easter Sunday, 3 p.m. on the USA Network. 
your breakers, your New Orleans breakers, (laughs) pick up the Philly star. We'll be watching for sure. You may not because you don't have cable, um, but maybe maybe the in-laws do. Hopefully they do. Get that Cox cable fired up. Uh, Make sure they got the extra package so you can get the USA Network. Um, and and eat you some jelly beans, sit back and have a gold, have a gold brick and watch the breakers. All right. Um, D D squared, tell us a little bit about the week in geek. We haven't heard about it in a a little while. Oh, dude. All right. So, uh, recap, uh, I won my second LAB award, Louisiana association. I saw that. Back-to-back wins, baby, for the for LAB for best interview. Uh, Did interview you get a raise? Elvira. I, of course, I didn't. Come on now. I mean, that if, if I sell if I sell the trophy, I might get enough for a Starbucks. I doubt it, but I, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so back-to-back champs on the award-winning weekend geek, and uh, yeah, dude, it's been it's crazy. Like now we're back at cons again. We're going out amongst the people, shaking babies, kissing hands. It's awesome again. Shaking um, babies? But, You're shaking babies? Yeah. Oh, strike that reverse. We're shaking hands and kissing babies. That's I was going to say, you're shaking babies. I don't know if I can have you on the show anymore. It's one thing for you to get me to cuss, but I, I can't have you shaking babies and coming on Datitude. We only go so, so far on this show. <laughs> Unless it's a king cake baby, then you can shake the hell out of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. So, look, uh, we, we've got, uh, man, I've lost track of all, all the guests that we've had since we last spoke. Uh but uh, this weekend, uh, God, it's great. You, you know who Randy Rainbow is? He did all no. these weird sort of like uh, the lucky charms. Did? Things. No, no, no. Oh, he, yeah. He's uh, he does, he's got like sixteen million followers, man. And like like he's done all Damn. these YouTube videos where uh, he's on tour. He wrote a book. Uh, he's like he's he did all the stuff during the uh, remember when Trump and and. Uh, uh, Clinton were doing the presidential debates. He was the guy with the fabulous uh, pink glasses who was just like, hey, what's up? He, he, he oh, did all yeah, that yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. He made a bunch of songs with it. He was actually pretty funny. I don't think he was awake when I first thought. He's got like 15.96 million more followers than I got. Oh, oh God, yeah. yeah. That's insane. But so, that, that ain't saying much, Jim. All right, come on. But, uh, so yeah, I got him this weekend. And for all the parents out there whose children have made them watch uh, Henry Danger on Nickelodeon, I got to talk to these guys who were doing this podcast for, for Nickelodeon. Frankie Grande, Ariana Grande's brother. Yeah, I know. He was on uh, He was on Big Brother. Henry Danger. Oh, yeah, he was on Big Brother, too. Yeah. So uh, I just have a fabulous show in store this weekend. That, that's all I'm going to say about that. So this Sunday at 7 o'clock on News Talk, 99.5 WRNO, make sure you download the podcast on the Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify. I got a YouTube channel for some ridiculous reason. And, of course, the iHeartRadio uh, 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 app. Click subscribe. There we go. You know, that's what I miss most about being guest host on your show is uh, when the commercial, you knew the commercial was over and you had to hurry up when you, when you heard I heart radio. Oh crap. I got to put my headset back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> right. All right. Dave D squared to Corbier. We, uh, we missed you, man. We're going to have to have you on soon. When the, when the breakers get to three and oh, or four and oh, you're coming back on. Wow. All right. Well, it was good talking to you again this year. See you next football. Yeah. <laughs> and when Max Headroom uh, loses his head at a game or something, you're you're the first one I'm calling. 
Yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll drive out to Birmingham and, and we can do it from there. I'll be like, Jim, I'm here in Birmingham. No one's here. They've canceled the USFL. Come back on. Oh, my God. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't get canceled. Oh, look, I hope it at least makes it through the season. Then we'll see what happens. That would, that would be nice. So, All right, D-Square. We'll talk to you soon. Later, bro. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. Glad to have my man back. D-Squared. We're going to have him on. Some more during the offseason. Um, draft's coming up. I'm sure after the draft is over, we'll have him on and um, see what he thought. All right. Well, it is Easter weekend, and uh, that is just going to about wrap it up the show. But before we finish up today, a little personal note. Uh, my son is getting married tomorrow. Uh, I couldn't be – I said this – Talked about it with Gus. Um, you know, it's amazing how fast they grow. I know, and old people say this all the time. And I used to hear it when I was in my 20s and 30s and all that. And you're like, yeah, whatever, old dude. But it's true, man. Um, you know, we were watching football. He was sitting on my lap at seven years old. It seems like yesterday. And I, when I don't mean it seems like yesterday in the cliche sense. I mean, like, it seems like yesterday. Um, and I'm so proud of him. And uh, I don't think he's listening today. He's got a lot of stuff going on. Got a rehearsal dinner tonight. He's getting married tomorrow. But I'm so happy. So Blair and Claire, congratulations so much. And we wish you none. We wish you so much of the best. And uh, you know, when I think about uh, how time flies, I think about this song. Uh, and it's it's just. It's perfect. And, you know, I, I have two young girls at home, too. And um, the, the, the little miracle accident baby, uh, she's six years old already. Uh, and it's, you know, it, when they say time flies fast, the older you get. I mean, again, if you're younger than me, you're not, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. If you're older than me, you certainly know what I'm talking about. It is just every day goes faster than the day before. And uh, I'm grateful for every day on this planet. And uh, I am extremely uh, thrilled about this weekend and uh, being able to see my boy walk up the aisle with his new bride and his new family. And uh, it's going to be an emotional weekend. But for the rest of you, I hope you have a wonderful Easter weekend. Uh, if you can get some crawfish today, do it. They're, they're hard to find, man. They're hard to find. But uh, whatever it is, I hope you enjoy it with family and the ones you love like I will be doing. And, uh, hey, we got the Pelicans tonight. We got the Breakers on Sunday. So there's plenty of joy. We will talk to you next week when we start talking more about the NFL draft and the Saints coming up. We're going to have some special guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. And who knows? Maybe an extra show. We'll see. Speaking of we'll see, we'll see you very soon, as in next Friday. Peace and love, my friends. Four years later, about 4.30, she's crawling in their bed. And when he drops her off at preschool, she's clanging to his leg. The teacher peels her all for him. He says, what can I do? She says, now don't you worry. This'll only last a week or two It won't be like this for long One day soon